Halftime Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including one of the great voices of the NFL and one of the great voices of the ACC. Wes Durham, radio voice of the Atlanta Falcons, will pick his brain when it comes to Sunday night's matchup between the Chiefs and the 49ers in Super Bowl 54. He, of course, is more on basketball duty than football duty when it comes to the ACC. Duke over Pitt last night. Virginia got a much-needed signature victory by beating number five Florida State up in Charlottesville. Tony Bennett and the Cavaliers trying to avoid what does happen from time to time. You win it all one year in college hoops, and you don't even make the big dance the year after. Four of his five starters, of course, are gone from that team. He still has a great defensive squad. They're getting better little by little offensively. They had enough to take out the Seminoles in Charlottesville last night. We can call that, among other things, are you ready for it? A quad one win. Get used to such phrases because Duke and Florida State and Louisville, they have a bunch of all the right kinds of wins, even with FSU losing last night. The Seminoles, of course, are in a great place overall. Everybody else, whether you're a fan of the Wolfpack or UVA or Virginia Tech and many others, Syracuse lost at Clemson last night. That's bad. Hokies lost at Miami last night. That's bad. The cannibalism continues among mid-pack ACC programs on nights like that. But Duke over Pitt, Virginia over FSU. We'll talk about the details. Mike Krzyzewski not only got a victory over the Panthers, he got a hug from his former player and associate head coach, Panthers head coach Jeff Capel. He had more words in the press conference for his former Team USA player, the late, great Kobe Bryant. And somewhere along the way, he had an angry, scolding, old man yelling at clouds type moment where he tore into the Cameron Crazies, his own fans, right there in Cameron Indoor Stadium for reasons that turned out to be a miscommunication. He thought they were taunting former Blue Devil Jeff Capel in some way or otherwise saying something inappropriate. They actually were kind of trying to be charming toward the visiting head coach, well aware of his deep ties to the Blue Devils. Little miscommunication. Coach K apologized for the misunderstanding after the game. You have questions. You have comments. Some of you were there. Duke over Pitt, Virginia over FSU, and other college basketball. We'll, of course, dive into Super Bowl 54, not only with West Durham, but with a question of the day. Who's the best coach in any professional sport who never won at all. When I think of great coaches, in almost every case, they eventually won whatever their sport's ultimate championship is, right? You might like Greg Popovich in the NBA. He happens to be atop the all-time wins list when you count regular season and postseason. He has not just one NBA title, he has five. As a longtime hockey guy or a longtime baseball guy, Connie Mack did his greatest work in baseball as a manager before I was born. I think maybe the entirety of his work before I was born. He not only is on that all-time wins list, he won the World Series five times, or he led teams that won five World Series titles. In the NHL, there's a guy named Scotty Bowman. When I was a little kid, he was the coach of the Canadians. 
When I was an older guy, he was the coach of the Red Wings. In between, he was the coach of the Penguins. You know what he did all three places? He won the Stanley Cup. So he not only was atop the all-time wins list again, as is usually the case, the guy who wins the most games at some point breaks through. In these parts, we have a lot of Braves fans of Major League Baseball. Bobby Cox took a while, but one of the all-time baseball wins leaders did eventually get that victory, the ultimate prize with the 1995 Atlanta Braves. It was the only one he got, but whether you liked Bobby Cox or Joe Torre of the Yankees or Tony La Russa of the A's and the Cardinals or some of those old-timers, you know what they all have in common? They're all on the all-time wins list and... They have at least one World Series title from hockey to baseball to the NBA, not just Greg Popovich. Phil Jackson's got a lot of wins and 11 championship rings to go with those victories. Pat Riley is a top five all-time wins list guy, and he has five NBA championship rings. That's just how it almost always works. Is Andy Reid of the Kansas City Chiefs the correct answer or best answer? To the question of the day, who is the best coach in any professional sport who has never won it all? I grew up watching Don Shula of the Miami Dolphins. He is number one to this moment on the all-time wins list. He got two Super Bowl titles. George Hallis from before my time, also in the top five on the all-time wins list. Six, what they called before the Super Bowl, NFL championship, same thing, the ultimate prize in his sport at the time, not yet called the Super Bowl. George Hallis, Chicago Bears, six titles. Bill Belichick, New England Patriots, six Super Bowl championships. Tom Landry, Dallas Cowboys, two Super Bowl titles. You ever heard of Lambeau Field, Green Bay Packers? The guy the field is named for, Curly Lambeau, one of the most winning coaches in NFL history, six NFL championships slash, if you will, Super Bowl titles. Again, it was not yet called the Super Bowl in his time. Those are the five NFL coaches and the only five NFL coaches ahead of Andy Reid on the all-time wins list. They all not, have a, not only have a Super Bowl title, they all have more than one. Andy, for now, is stuck on zero. He took the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl back in 2004, but lost that game. He is back with the Chiefs. It is not an easy opponent. The, the San Francisco 49ers, by most accounts, have the better depth chart, the better running game, the better defensive line, the better secondary. Andy Reid has the better quarterback, of course, in Patrick Mahomes. Who's the best coach in any pro sport? who never won it all. We have those lists for best golfers without a major. We have the Dan Marino examples of the best players who never won it all today in honor of Andy Reid, and I hope he gets one because they've been rooting for him for a long time. Who is the best coach in any professional sport who never won it all? We have emotional tributes, more of them, them to Kobe Bryant. In his hometown of Philadelphia and mine, there was a big salute by the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers. So the ceremonies continue all over the NBA. Even at the college level, the Panthers and the Blue Devils in Cameron while warming up, and our Darren Vaught was there. We'll get his thoughts on Coach K yelling at the crazies. Maybe he was looking right past Darren Vaught while yelling at the crazies. Did you have that much of a front row seat? I'm not sure. But before the game, purple and gold t-shirts 
with number eight on the front and number 24 on the back. Of course, that was Pitts. That was Duke's way of honoring a guy who, again, played for Coach K in a different capacity as one of the superstars of Team USA and a two-time Olympic gold champion as a player, Kobe Bryant. Coach K, of course, put Team USA back on track in that regard with the help of great players like Kobe and others. If you didn't hear or see Shaquille O'Neal or Jerry West and others on TNT, last night was TNT's crew, their first opportunity to really chime in in a deep way on the passing of Kobe Bryant over the weekend. So we'll get into college basketball. We welcome your questions and comments. You can jump in on our question of the day. Who is the best coach in any professional sport who never won it all? Most of the guys on most of the all-time wins list eventually did get that elusive championship. Andy Reid, for now, is one of the rare exceptions to that rule, but not the only one. How many billions of dollars are expected to be wagered on Super Bowl 54? Believe it or not, that number is almost $7 billion, with a B, 26 million Americans are expected to bet legally or illegally, office pool or at the Vegas betting window. 26 million Americans are expected to go down that road to the tune of almost $7 billion with a B. Did Pro Bowl players pick the Chiefs or the 49ers more often to win? Which team was selected to capture Super Bowl 54 by the most successful sports gamblers? of the past year that was actually an avalanche vote in one direction i will tell you what that is during the course of today's program last i saw the chiefs are one point favorites in las vegas over the 49ers i have a tricky super bowl trivia question for you it comes with a twist who is 26 and 2 in the last 28 super bowls sounds strange right who is 26 wins and two losses in the last 28 Super Bowls? I will answer that question on the other side as we welcome your calls. Coach K yelling at the crazies. Duke over Pitt. Question of the day for Duke fans and College Hoops fans. If Jeff Capel is not the smartest choice to be Coach K's successor someday, former Duke player, former Duke associate head coach, helped them win the national title by recruiting all of those guys who won it all with Duke just a few years ago, if Jeff Capel is not the best candidate to succeed, Coach K, who will turn 73 years old next month, who is that best candidate? I've seen them all. I've followed them all. I've interviewed them all. Jeff Capel is only in year two at Pitt, but he has already turned a dumpster fire, inherited from Kevin Stallings, his predecessor there, into a probable NIT team. In a period of two years, that is not easy to do, and Jeff Capel is in the process of pulling that off. Gave Duke a good fight last night. His teams play with ferocity and intensity and intention to detail. He is, in my eyes, the best candidate post-Coach K, whenever that comes. He is certainly on the short list in the eyes of the decision makers. If he's not the best candidate to succeed Coach K, who would be better? You can tell us your answer at 1-800-849-2761. West Durham will join us later. That means your phone calls now, 1-800-849-2761. If you visit accsports.com, you'll see my current power rankings for the league, 1 through 15, and other ACC-oriented stuff. Roy Williams, the Hall of Famer, one of our guests yesterday. That audio is now at the website in case you missed it live. If you follow me at The Athletic in The Athletic Carolina, I just posted this morning my all North Carolina midseason basketball awards. Now, I do an ACC version of that, 
but I do another version that fits in everybody else. So if you're one of those who says, you know, ECU or UNC Greensboro or the Charlotte 49ers, Western Carolina's having a good year. Davidson is almost always good. UNC Asheville is on the rebound. A&T and Central are two of the best programs in the MEAC. High Point voiced by our producer Darren Vaught. App State has the arrow pointed back in the right direction in basketball. Among many others, everybody I just mentioned is included somewhere in my post today, my All-North Carolina Midseason Basketball Awards. I have a Player of the Year Midseason, a Coach of the Year Midseason, a Freshman of the Year Midseason, First Team, Second Team, and all the other fun stuff. You can find that at theathletic.com and theathletic.com. Carolina. More tributes to Kobe Bryant, more college basketball, the Jeff Capel successor question for Mike Krzyzewski. He's not the only candidate. A lot of guys just with Duke ties all over college basketball as we speak. Many of them played and or coached under Mike Krzyzewski in Durham. You can jump in for the fun. We have tickets to give away, including to the Carolina Hurricanes games this Friday night and Sunday afternoon. The Australian Open is coming down the stretch. We have a little bit on a lot of things. Who is the best coach in any pro sport who never won it all and is Chiefs coach Andy Reid the best answer to that question, who's the best successor in your eyes for Mike Krzyzewski at Duke whenever that dreaded day comes for Blue Devil fans? ECU is hosting top 25 Houston in basketball tonight. Syracuse and Virginia Tech went down in flames on the road. Virginia got a big win. Duke took care of Pittsburgh. 1-800-849-2761. Cameron and Kale and Gary and others want in by phone. More of my thoughts on the headlines of the day with more of yours. one 800 849-2761. Shaquille O'Neal and Jerry West on the late, great Kobe Bryant among the audio pieces we have awaiting your consideration a little bit later. Or you can dial us up now, 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on The David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Wes Durham, voice of the ACC, voice of the NFL's Atlanta Falcons, will drop by to talk Super Bowl 54, ACC basketball, and other things. He's later. That means you can be now. I will give you one thing I promised, as I believe Kale and Gary and Stacy and others have really good answers to our question of the day. Who is the best coach in any pro sport who never won it all? Did a lot of other great things, obviously, to be remembered that way, but they just never won the ultimate professional trophy in whatever sport they were involved in. And is the correct answer Chiefs head coach Andy Reid? You may not think of him this way yet, but he is number six on the all-time NFL wins list when you add regular season wins to playoff victories. This is his second trip to the Super Bowl. He lost the first one back after the 2004 season while he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's back with the Chiefs. It will be no easy task Sunday night against the 49ers, but the five guys above Andy Reid, the only five guys above him on the all-time NFL wins list, Don Shula, George Hallis, Bill Belichick, Tom Landry, and Curly Lambeau 
all won multiple Super Bowls in the modern era or NFL championships is what they were called before they came up with that nifty name Super Bowl in the late 1960s. Keep in mind, Bill Walsh coached in the NFL for only 10 seasons. And he won three Super Bowl championships. Jimmy Johnson coached in the NFL for only nine seasons, and he won two Super Bowls. I'm as big an Andy Reid fan as there is out there, but there's a chance he goes down in that best golfer without a major category, in that Dan Marino put up crazy good numbers as a player but never got a Super Bowl ring type category. You never know if he'll be back. He's only in his early 60s, so maybe he gets other chances. You just never know. Maybe Sunday night against the 49ers is the last chance that comes along. Bobby Cox of the Atlanta Braves was well into his managerial career before he broke through in 1995 to get that one, and it turned out to be the only World Series title. In hockey, did you see the Capitals win it all two years ago? Alex Ovechkin with the breakthrough, that was one of the famous stories. Their coach, Barry Trotz, had been regarded as a really good NHL leader for decades. And he was toward the twilight of his career before finally breaking through with the Capitals two years ago. At least for now, Andy Reid is that best golfer without a major, if you will. Who is that best coach in any pro sport who never won at all? We also, for college basketball fans, have a question. Mike Krzyzewski's Duke team beat Jeff Capel's Pitt team last night. If Capel is not the top candidate to succeed Coach K someday, who would be better? I know all the candidates personally and professionally. I view Jeff Capel for a lot of different reasons as the best fit. Successful as a head coach at two other schools, VCU and Oklahoma. You would never turn over, in my opinion, a blue blood program to someone who needed training wheels as a first-time head coach. That didn't work well when Matt Doherty of UNC had only one year at Notre Dame, and then this monstrosity is thrown on his shoulders, and it didn't work at all, and he was gone after three years. Jeff Capel's been there, done that at VCU, been there, done that at Oklahoma, and as a former Duke player and a guy who was Coach K's ace recruiter, for many years before joining the Pitt program as the Panthers head coach. He knows the Duke culture. He fits the description Coach K has laid out as someone he hopes his successor will be, someone who played for him and coached under him at Duke. That actually eliminates some other good candidates if he sticks with that, but he has also said, Coach K has, that it's not his ultimate decision, although we all know he is one of the most important voices in the room whenever that day comes. Why do I bring this up? Well, Pitt played Duke last night. Coach K turns 73 next month, and in the history of college basketball, only three men have ever coached past their 73rd birthday season. 1-800-849-2761. So who went 26-2 and two last? Who went 26-2 and two in the last 28 Super Bowls? Sounds like a weird question because who, who would be involved in all 28, right? Answer, Nevada's sports books. Over the last 28 years, they have suffered a net loss on all the different bets. Who wins? Who loses? Straight up against the spread. Prop bets. How long will the anthem go? What color will the Gatorade be that's poured on the winning coach? You can bet on everything nowadays. In the last 28 years, and remember there's illegal betting everywhere, but Nevada has really well-kept records as the state that has had legal sports betting for the longest time. They can go back 28 years and tell you, oh, yeah, we made this many gazillion this year, and we lost these two years. Twice in 28 years 
did they come out with a net loss. Just remember that. I'm not anti-gambling. I kind of use the amusement park analogy. If this is your form of fun, make it fun. And just like you would spend money on cotton candy or, you know, the roller coaster or whatever booth is your favorite at the carnival, do that in the gambling sense. But if you're starting toward the, well, I really have a good feeling about the Chiefs, so the kids' 529 college tuition fund is going to be put up for grabs, uh, that's when we might be able to find an 800 number for you to seek professional help. 26-2. and two. Nevada sport books. If I may interject yes. and just add to the analogy, the key there is you probably need to set a price. When you go ride a roller coaster to get that adrenaline rush, you pay a price for admission, and that's it. You're not, you're not allowed to pay more and more and more and more and more. And, and as you get older and you invest more, uh, Maria and I, the lovely and talented Maria and I, have a very good friend who has started his own company. And there is a chance that this company is worth nothing. And there is a chance that this company becomes worth billions of dollars. And the way Maria and I talked about it, can we live with the possibility that 10 years from now, we are told that our investment of whatever size is worthless? Right. Can we live with that? Is, is X amount of money too much? Does it make us nervous about that possible eventuality? If it does, and if it's going to cause stress, and if it's going to cause financial repercussions that we're unprepared for, if things bottom out, well then heck no, we're not going to put X into the kid, the kitty. If we can handle whatever X is, turned out to be fairly high after consultation with the lovely and talented Maria, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm still sleeping pretty well at night most of the time. The same applies to however you handle Super Bowl 54. 1-800-849-2761. Kevin in Burlington wants in on last night's Duke-Pitt game, not with the whole Jeff Capel succession plan type thing, but Coach K yelled at the Cameron Crazies. Darren, I'll come to you next because you were on press row. Coach K yelled at his own fans when he thought that they were saying something inappropriate about the visiting coach, Jeff Capel, of the Pitt Panthers, who, of course, has spent much of his life representing the Duke Blue Devils, former player and former assistant and associate head coach. Kevin, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead with your question or comment. All right, thanks. I'll jump right in. So, first off, I don't have a problem with the mistake, okay? He made a mistake. He thought they were saying something else or whatever. The problem I have is his apology after, because he says, I apologize, but I will always rather make a mistake. Anytime you say apologize, but, <laughs> you're not really apologizing. So let's think about, let's go back in history with Cameron. Um, I, one that comes to mind is McGinnis Phil Ford. Have you driven a Ford lately? Ed Coda, guilty, guilty, guilty. They're all dressed in robes. Dave Odom, I believe there was something. I could go on and on, but I didn't see uh, Coach K doing anything about those. Um, Scott Williams' his parents. It's hypocritical. I'm not going to go as far as to call him a hypocrite like I was going to because that might be a little harsh. I want to respect him as a Tar Heel fan because, you know, as I've said many times on your show and just the other day with Kobe, they beat your butt long enough. You start to respect them. But with Coach K, when he does something like he did last night, I got to backtrack from that. I believe there are there is a difference. But not all apologies are created equal. So I, I think it would be inaccurate to say that Coach K did not apologize last night. But I would agree with you to this extent. There is a difference between the full-throated, full-hearted apology and a half-apology. 
And when you say, I, and, and he used the words, and Darren, you have some of the audio here. When I say, when he used the words, I apologize to the students for that. You have to, you have to admit that he made an apology of some sort. Now, as in other contexts, sometimes you'll see, sometimes you'll see the apology. This is one of my favorites. I apologize to whomever might have been offended by what I said. That's, that's typically a half apology, right? Not I really am sorry, but, you know, to those of you who are offended, and some of, sometimes those who use that phrase really mean, uh, you thin-skinned wusses. Uh, I'll apologize to those who are offended. That's not a full-hearted apology either. But Coach K, I would argue, did apologize last night. Here's Darren with the audio. He was there at Cameron Indoor Stadium as the Devils beat the Panthers 79-67. to As we come to your calls, here's Coach K in his own words from the postgame. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I made a mistake on that, but I've never heard another coach's name yelled out in the middle of the first half when we're in a war with the team. I thought it was something personal because I've never heard. I apologize to the students for that. I don't apologize for the timing, but I'd rather make the mistake in protection of my, my guy. So all those other incidents the caller brought up, I've been around for all of them. Sometimes if a coach sees a sign, I do think he should, if it's an inappropriate sign, you know, towards Scott Williams' parents who died in a horrible double murder, the former UNC big man, I mean, not that many things are off limits, but I think a civilized person would say the double murder of a college guy's parents would fit the off limits category. Now, not every coach sees every sign, not every coach hears every chant, and that's why I can't go quite as far as the caller does. Jeff Capel himself, by the way, last night said that he was so dialed into the game. He didn't hear the chant that actually was a nice chant. Kay interpreted it as something inappropriate and did give that apology that you just heard. But Jeff Capel said he didn't hear it at all. So just as you can't hear things that are nice toward you, sometimes you don't hear things that are attacking opposing players or opposing coaches, etc. So you got to evaluate it on a case-by-case basis. I've seen Coach Kay at his worst. I-, I saw him as a young man absolutely belittle student writers, sports writers for the Duke Chronicle newspaper because they weren't positive enough toward the Blue Devils. I found that outrageously inappropriate. Well, wait a minute. Your your Duke players are supposed to be learning how to be pro basketball players, but Duke students in the journalism or communication school are not supposed to be learning how to be objective journalists, and you want them to say, root, root, root for the home team? I mean, that was outrageous. That was one of the worst things I've ever seen him do. do. And, of course, like everybody else, there are probably moments that he would want back. Last night, I didn't think it was outrageous in any way. I am glad that he apologized. Darren Vaught, you were there. How would you summarize whatever we could not see on TV? Because on TV, man, Mike Eads, veteran ACC official, had to physically restrain Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah. And if that was the only angle you saw, you're thinking, is Eads protecting a younger referee that Kay is going after? And no, it was Kay physically surging and, and wildly waving his arms like maniacally because he was going after his own fans because he thought they were taking some kind of unacceptable personal pot shot at, again, former beloved Blue Devil Jeff Capel. My, I've been in Cameron enough times to know that Duke fans have made it fairly commonplace to see a high-profile recruit in the building, and then they'll say, Darren Vaught, sit with us, right? 
Yeah. Cassius, it's, it's, uh, last it's, year. Uh, Cassius, I mean, it's a positive chant. Right? Cassius Stanley, sit with us. Exactly. So they chanted last night. It's hard to hear on TV, but, you know, now we all know. It was Jeff Capel, sit with us. No other opposing visiting coach ever gets a nice chant like that. Right. That, that's actually the opposite of what Coach K interpreted. <laughs> yep. It is the olive branch. We recognize you as one of ours, Jeff Capel. And we're going to give you the same chant that we save for the recruits that we want to get the most. And I don't know the specific language, but I did see some some photos of it and saw it in person for just a second. But on the dirt sheet that the Cameron Crazies yes. normally yes. take in, under Jeff Capel, they said nothing to nothing to know here. You know, we love this guy; he's one of our own. So even on the dirt sheet, it was it was you know, hey, we're going to embrace Capel while he's here. Now I don't know how much of that is seen by perhaps Coach K prior to the contest. Maybe had he known the the crazies' intentions, he wouldn't have necessarily assumed that just because he heard Capel's name that it was going to be meant negatively or or was going to be something personal toward. Jeff Capel, but uh, man, I obviously having not taken in as many games there as you or, or yeah. as many Coach K games as you, that's as heated as oh, I've man. ever seen him. He was incredibly animated, and after the during the course of action, Mike Eads had to restrain him moment. I saw a video later where yeah, he was walked it across at the halftime break. Were you still on yeah, press row in front I was. of the crazies? So, so from from the the whatever view you got on TV, and I didn't see this until later. Kind I would of have from been the just, baseline on TV. I, yeah, I would have been just to like to the left of the viewpoint there. But uh, no, that's when he came over and said, "Hey, you know, don't nothing with him. Don't say anything involving him. He's one of us." And that's what he was like pounding his chest, as I think was pounding shown his chest. in the video. And, and, he was, and that's he, when he said, "One of us." And every time he pounded his chest, he's one of us. And he was using the phrase "shut up" a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that was during live action. That right? was with Mike Eads holding him back. He was waving his arms at them, trying to get their attention and tell them to it shut up. It was a crazy scene. Well, it, it, crazy scene, especially during live play. DG, it, it had gone through a couple of times. The Jeff Capel sit with us, and I just happened to look at you know out of the corner of my. I'm always interested to see how the coaching staff reacts to certain things, especially when you're in a venue like Cameron and there's a, a group like the Crazies. So I just happened to notice Shire was – John Shire, is the assistant coach, was seated right next to Coach K and was kind of like using his peripheral vision to glance up at the students. And, and I mean, he kind of gave a little bit of a stink eye. So if they had paid any attention at all to Shire, they could have shut it down before K got crazed. But um, was it your sense that Coach K did not realize he had made a mistake until after the game? Because it's 100 percent. Like, he yeah, sat down and like was Cameron, asked about it. And it's not like a Cameron crazy, you know, a 21 year old spoke say, up there. At Excuse half-time. me, yeah. coach, at halftime of the Pitt Duke game, <laughs> while you're pounding your chest and reminding us that Jeff Capel is one of us, you know, uh, Sir, I would like to point out that that's exactly <laughs> the message we were trying to get across. And, and Probably no room for that. And as it might have or could have worked vice versa, Coach K in the postgame presser also clarified, hey, I don't have time to ask, um, excuse me, what are you guys chanting? Yeah. Right? He, that was his point, and that he was just going to shut it down go into the locker room for halftime and continue about his business. I would hope that Coach K would be able to say, just as he did say, I apologize to the students for that. I would hope he would be able to come to the conclusion that if you're not sure what you heard, you know, I mean, just let it go. If you're not sure what it heard. Jeff Capel didn't even hear it. The crazies had all the right things written on their cheat sheet or whatever they call it, you know, not to alienate this beloved former player. 
And Coach K made a mistake, and he mostly apologized for it while also saying, hey, in the midst of a war like that, you shouldn't be thinking of honoring Jeff Capel or anything else. But I don't know. If it's okay when visiting recruits are there, you don't want to win those games any less, do you? It's still intense moments, and you're saying, Cassius Stanley, sit with us. I mean, I don't know. It, It was an unfortunate miscommunication. Duke gets the win. Coach K offered Enough of an apology that I think most of us can just move on. Meanwhile, Vernon Carey Jr. continues to look like a National Player of the Year candidate. 26 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists. Absolutely dominant against a pit team that is better on the perimeter than it is in the post. 11 for 17 field goals for the freshman. Trey Jones, 14 points, 8 assists. And against a pit team with a lot of good guards, 0 turnovers. So he played great D. Trey McGowan's didn't get anything. Xavier Johnson didn't get much. You have eight assists of your own, and you have no turnovers against those athletes on Pitt's perimeter. That's really, really well done by Trey Jones. Cassius Stanley had another good game, 11 points, seven rebounds, a blocked shot. Bottom line is, other than youth, which you can't really control. Remember Kay said those losses to Clemson and Louisville came in part because the Cardinals and the Tigers were older and more experienced teams than his Blue Devils. Other than youth, the Blue Devils are mostly where they want to be. I mean, you know, Florida State's offensive limitations showed up in their loss at UVA last night. Blue Devils have plenty of offensive weapons. They're a very good defensive team. I mean, you can always get better, especially freshmen. Matthew Hurt, Cassius Stanley, Vernon Carey, and when he comes back from injury, Wendell Moore. Uh, But Coach K's kind of settled on his rotation. He likes Jordan Goldwire as a great perimeter defender. He likes the three freshmen in the starting lineup, Stanley, Matthew Hurt, and Vernon Carey. Of course, Trey Jones, the sophomore at the point. Jack White's the first big man off the bench. I think when Wendell Moore gets healthy, he'll be the first wing player off the bench. And then just smaller doses of a Joey Baker here, a Javin Delorier there. He's got his rotation. There's plenty of offensive diversity. There's plenty of defensive intensity. They have, I think, as good a chance as anyone in America at making a run at another Final Four or maybe even a sixth NCAA title for that Mike Krzyzewski guy. Cameron wants in on the other side on the best successor for Coach K. A lot of people believe it is Pitt coach Jeff Capel. I am one of the many who believes that he is the most likely candidate and the best candidate, but he's certainly not the only one. You can be next with your answers to our questions of the day. Who's the best coach in any pro sport who never won it all? Chiefs coach Andy Reid is on the short list of the best answers to that question, but there are others. The Coach K successor question lingers. Some hockey tickets that we're going to give away, some Australian Open as that event in tennis comes down the stretch, and more emotional tributes to Kobe Bryant. If you didn't hear Shaquille O'Neal last night, you'll want to hang around. Cameron is in Greenville. Stacy is in High Point. Gary and Kale and others want in as well. West Durham will join us by phone later in today's program. You can join us next on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Some good answers to our Andy Reid-related Super Bowl question of the day. Who is the best coach in any pro sport who never won it all? 
Some of you have just gone straight to the record books. Do you know who is the winningest baseball manager who nevertheless did not claim a World Series title, at least for now? The brand new manager of the Houston Astros, Dusty Baker, is barely in like the top 15 or so of all-time managerial wins. And yet every single guy above him on that list has at least one World Series title. He's come close a few times, but new Astros manager Dusty Baker, in answer to our question of the day, among retired NFL coaches, I'm getting a lot of Marty Schottenheimer, Dan Reeves, and Chuck Knox. All of those guys were often in the playoffs and yet never raised a Super Bowl championship trophy. Again, all five guys above Andy Reid on the all-time NFL coaches win list. Don Shula, George Hallis, Bill Belichick, Tom Landry, and Curly Lambeau not only have reached the promised land, if you will, they all have two or more Super Bowl titles, or back in the day they were called NFL championships. A lot of good answers to our question of the day. We're also talking Coach K's succession plan, the Blue Devils win over Pitt. Coach K yelling at clouds and gesturing toward the Cameron crazies and then apologizing kind of a little bit after the game. Cameron is in Greenville and has a Duke succession plan in on his mind. Gary is in Wilson and has another outstanding coach who nevertheless never quite reached that ultimate championship in his or her sport. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us. Cameron in Greenville, if Pitt's Jeff Capel is not the best candidate to replace Mike Krzyzewski at Duke someday, who is? Hey, DG, my, my answer is this. Brad Stevens would be my choice if it wasn't Capel. I only had two losing seasons his entire career, and they both filmed the Celtics. was a phenomenal head coach at Butler, and people, I think, may have forgotten because he's been in the NBA every year yeah. how good of a college coach he was. I'll tell I you what, man. If, if you were on my coaching search committee and, you know, Kevin White, who's the AD at Duke and the president of the university and the others who are true decision makers, if his name didn't at least come up in that room, we'd all be crazy. Now, in terms of likelihood, in terms of knowing somebody will say yes, all of the Duke-related names that I have heard, you know, not only Jeff Capel, obviously, of Pitt, but Steve Wojciechowski of Marquette, Chris Collins of Northwestern, although the bloom is off his coaching rose a little bit because they haven't been winning as much lately, Bobby Hurley of Arizona State, uh, Mike Bray of Notre Dame, Tommy Amaker of Harvard, Johnny Dawkins of UCF. You know, all these guys either played for Coach K, coached under Coach K, or both, and yet and I think they would all say yes if they got that call. Brad Stevens of the Celtics, we can't be as sure about that. He's not a Duke guy. I know that Coach K holds him in as high regard as just about anybody that he's coached against. Remember, he, he rem K remembers the Butler years because he was describing Brad Stevens as one of the best young coaches he had ever encountered. So there's no doubt about the respect level for Brad Stevens. He's making a lot of money for the Celtics. Not that Duke couldn't match that. But it is a little trickier to bring a guy back from the NBA. It is a little trickier when Coach K is on the record having said, I think my successor should be someone who played and worked for me. Now, by a different definition, Brad Stevens is as good a candidate for Duke as is out there. But by Coach K's own publicly stated description, you know, he does not fit it, whereas some of these other guys do. Quinn Snyder, by the way, is both a former Duke player and a former Coach K assistant with the Blue Devils. He's doing very well with the Utah Jazz as a head coach in the NBA right now. The question there, and again, I think Jeff Capel is the guy, and depending on when Coach K steps away, you know, that's, it's a fluid situation is one way to put it, right? 
if Coach K lasts another five years, we have to revisit this conversation because we don't know where all these guys will be five years from now. Mike Bray is 60 years old at Notre Dame, right? You know, do you hire a 65-year-old Mike Bray? Maybe, maybe not. But a lot of coaches retire right around 65 or, or before 70. Coach K, among the exceptions, turning 73 years old next month. With Quinn Snyder, while an intriguing name, and I think your name is an intriguing one as well, Brad Stevens, would you hire somebody who's been in the NBA for the last 20 years? Or I guess I should say more broadly, Quinn Snyder, while serving under Coach K at Duke as an assistant in the 90s, he has been in the professional basketball culture for the entirety of the last two decades. You got to relearn recruiting. You got to relearn just different stuff after being in the pro culture for 20 years. That's not a year or two, man. That's, that's a long time. So whereas Quinn has really upgraded his reputation, he was kind of down and out and halfway around the world as a coach, forgotten by college and pro basketball fans. He has really rehabilitated his image with a lot of success in recent years as the head coach of the Utah Jazz. I think this is year six for him. So, you know, on the radar, in the conversation, whenever Kay steps down, maybe, probably, I still think Jeff Capel is the guy. And not only for his track record at now three different programs as a head coach again, VCU, Oklahoma, and now Pitt from dumpster fire two years ago under Kevin Stallings to probable NIT team. That's a, that's a, that is a lightning quick turnaround from didn't they lose every game in the ACC two years ago? Every game they played under Kevin Stallings that year. That's a quick turnaround, even though it's likely to end only in the NIT. His demeanor, his comfortableness in his own skin, his ability to recruit high-level players, his uh, way he interacts with the media, the way he understands and celebrates the Duke culture. It's his resume, but it's even more than that to me with a guy in Jeff Capel who turns 45 years old next month. So you can envision him being not only Kay's successor, but in that post for a long time. West Durham later, more of your calls too on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Who is the best coach in any pro sport who never won at all? And is Andy Reid of the Chiefs the best answer to that question? More on Super Bowl 54, more on college basketball, including lesser-known teams, coaches, and players, ECU, UNC, Greensboro, Charlotte, and more. Your calls to 1-800-849-2761. Next. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? That's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show.